idea of it uh, being a gentle, loving, not harsh, you know, finances is a, is a very tricky thing to, to write about and it's something that people can get offended about very quickly. You know, people often say we, we, we don't go to church because all they want is my money, you know. Well, the truth of the matter is that, you know, we've, uh, we have to depend upon God's people to get the job done, but God's people depend on God, and God supplies their needs, and then they supply the needs so we can get the gospel out and get it preached, amen? And that's, that's the way it works. <clears throat> Surely the, the local, you know, hoods in the area are not gonna finance the gospel, <laughs> so it's gonna have to be the believers. But I think when, when people understand that, um, that everything that you have is God's, you know, what are you holding back? What part is it? Okay, God, this is for you. This is for me. No, no. We're, we're one with the Lord. Everything we have is God's. Amen? Amen. So I keep saying, aren't we grateful he didn't say 50-50? He could have said that. He could have said, let's split this thing. You know, everything I give you, 50-50. Could have done that. But uh, thank God for that. All right, are we ready to get in the Word this morning? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're talking about um, authority and power, the keys to victory, and we're, we're number two in this series. Um, if you've ever wondered why your, uh, your life has been frustrating in that you think you should have been further along or you should have got more than you're getting or there should have been greater victory, um, there's a good possibility that you have developed some kind of grief in your heart. Um, sadness about where you are in life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your children, whether it's your personal walk with God, whether it's your finance, your business. You could have got to a place where you go, you know, I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I'm still here. I haven't really achieved what I was hoping to achieve or get where I was hoping to go. And you can get into a place of grief where you, you, grief is a twin to depression. When you think nothing is going to get any better and you think maybe God is not hearing me or for some reason He doesn't want to hear me. And so you can, you can talk yourself into a place and you can listen to the devil and you can get to a place of deep-seated grief. And it's very difficult to believe God when you're in grief. It, it's hard to, like, you know, pull yourself up by your hair. A drowning man can't pull himself up by his hair. He needs somebody else to come out and save him. Well, I believe this morning, as I share the Word of God with you, that the Word of God is going to do just that. The Word of God is going to grab you by your hair and pick you up. 
And, and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to bring a revelation to you of why you have reached that place in your life. All right? Why you've reached that place and also how to get out of it. Now, I'm already ahead of myself because that's part of the next, <laughs> the next Sunday. So, forward-looking. Amen? Mark it in your calendars. But let's get to number two today. Um, in authority and power, the keys to victory. So what I want to look at today is uh, the most important key to faith. I want to look at the power of the name of Jesus. Now, most of these things that I say, you'll go, yeah, I, I know that, I know that. Well, don't be so sure. Just hold on, Tiger. When are you, when are you no threat to Satan? I want to look at that today. When are you no threat to Satan? And how much authority do you have? Question mark, how much authority do you have? We'll look at that. And then, here's the kicker. Are you creating space in your life for demons to harass you? You see, if you reach the place of grief, you may be pointing the finger at God because God hasn't done something for you. But on the other hand, you've got three fingers pointing right back at you. And it's very possible that you have been creating the space for the demons to operate in your life. And God hasn't been able to do what He would like to do because you're stopping Him. Are we ready to go? Yeah. All right, so let's, let's get to a uh, portion of Scripture where Pilate, uh, Jesus is standing trial before Pilate. And Pilate is questioning him, and Jesus refuses to answer him. Just sits quiet. Because the Old Testament said that he was as a lamb... You know, dumb before his shearers, the lamb wouldn't speak. And so Jesus is fulfilling their prophecy by not speaking to Pilate. Pilate goes, wait a minute, man. Don't you know that I've got authority? I could crucify you? You better speak to me. So let's pick up that story. In John 19 and verse 10, Pilate says to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power? Now, last week we looked this word up. Exousia, there it is. I have this power to crucify you and power to release you. And Jesus answered, you could have no exousia, power, at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Now, I'm sure when you read that, it, it, you may be a little <clears throat> you know, confused as to who was Jesus talking about when he said, you wouldn't have any power over me unless it was given to you from above? Who was he talking about? He, he's talking about God, right? He's about Father God. So he says to Pilate, you don't have any authority over me unless God gave it to you. Well, now, wait a minute. Pilate's about to crucify him. So what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, listen carefully. It was God's plan that Jesus be crucified. They were playing right into his plan. See, a lot of people think, well, no, God was trying to deliver Jesus. No, no, no. From the very get-go, from the very beginning, Jesus had to die for us. He had to be the sacrifice for us. So it was prophesied in the Old Testament, even that how he would die. It was an outworking of the prophecy, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb going all the way back to the Passover. Remember when they came out of Egypt? And 
Many, many times, hundreds of times, prophesied Jesus would have to die. Jesus told his disciples over and over and over, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. I'm going to be raised on the third day. So it was God's plan. It was God's plan. So Herod wasn't operating on his own authority. God had set this up. Do you understand? God the Father had set this up. So Jesus knew he was going to the cross. But he says the person who's got the most sin is the one who delivered him. And who was that? Somebody said it out loud. Judas. Judas was the one who, who put him into harm's way. So Judas is the one who's going to pay the price for that. Now, when Jesus defeated Satan, he did it on the cross. Right? We know that. He defeated him on the cross. When he did that, he took back the authority that man lost, that Adam lost, that was given over, surrendered to the devil in the Garden of Eden. So when Jesus paid this horrific price on the cross by being crucified, he defeated Satan on the cross. Satan didn't see it coming. He had no idea that this was going to... Uh, I, you know, I'm just saying, he was told in the garden that the woman's seed was going to bruise your head. And you know what? <clears throat> the devil thought he was smart. Because he probably said to himself, I don't have to believe that because the woman doesn't have seed. Hmm? Yeah. So he thought, whoever's talking now, how do you, the woman doesn't even have seed. But you see, the seed of the woman was actually the word of God. Remember? God sent his word. Word became seed. The word took on flesh. Seed took on flesh. Yes, Mary didn't have seed, but she got the word of God. She got the seed because she said, be it unto me according to your word. She received the word of God into her womb. That womb took on flesh. So it became the seed of the woman. Ha, got you. <laughs> God has so many ways to work things out. Don't ever try and think, well, this is the end of it. Yeah. This is it. There's no way out. If you get to a place in your life where you, where you believe uh, that, that there's no way out, that this is an impossible situation, it speaks more about you than it does about God. Because if you believe that, then you actually believe God can't. You actually believe that God is not able to. But I thought the Bible said all things are possible. Right. I thought the Bible said that with God, nothing is impossible. Right. So if you're in a situation right now where you're saying it's impossible, then what you're saying is God can't do it. God is not able. So that speaks more to you about your position and your faith then it's about God. It's about how you view God. So right now, just change it. Don't, don't be sitting there thinking, my situation is impossible. It's not impossible. If there truly is a living God, then your situation is fixable by Him. Amen? All right, let's read the Scripture in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, again, excusia, all authority has been given to me, in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now, Jesus said this after his resurrection, but before his ascension. So he had been raised from the dead. We know that Jesus said, I've got to go to the Father. So don't touch me, Mary. I've got to go to the Father. And had to put sprinkle his blood in the heavenly uh, 
realm and on the throne and everything else. He had to sprinkle his blood. And then he had to come back. Then he was here for 40 days, and then he ascended. Now, during that 40 days, this is what he said. In Matthew 28, is very, at the very end of the book of Matthew. And this is where he says to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And uh, <clears throat> like I said last week, and you can help me finish this statement, if you would, um, if Jesus has all, then somebody has none. If he has all, then somebody has none. And who's the somebody? Satan is the somebody. He has none. Okay, he has none. Uh, Jesus delegated his authority to us, his church, his bride, the body of Christ. He, de he delegated his authority to us. So the question is, how much did he delegate to us? Are you sure? Turn and tell your neighbor all. Now let's re read Luke Chapter 10, verse 19. Okay. Behold, I give you the authority. Behold, I give you the authority. Again, exousia, to trample on serpents and scorpions, and they are symbols of demons, and over all the power. How much power? Over what? Over all. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus told us he has received all power, He's passing it on to us. Now go and make disciples. So he gave us the power so that we could make disciples. Not that we could get fat, fat and happy. But that we could make disciples using his power. In fact, he said, en route, you're going to have to overcome demon spirits. You're going to have to overcome the works of the enemy. But understand, nothing will hurt you. Nothing will hurt you because I've given you authority and power over the works of the devil. So I have a question for you. Do you believe that the kingdom of darkness is equal in power and authority to the kingdom of God? But the devil wants you to believe that his kingdom has more authority and more power than God's kingdom. That's what he wants you to believe. Not even that they're equal but that he has greater power and greater authority. And you know what? Most Christians, by their very behavior, act that way. Because they've bought into the lie, they drank the Kool-Aid, that the devil is more powerful. And Hollywood has done a good job of convincing us. Every time there's a, a preacher or a Christian on the movie, they're the bad one. And every time there's a demon-possessed person on the movie, they're the powerful one. Hello. Don't go home yet. Honestly, if you are afraid of demons, then you err not knowing the Scriptures and the power of God. Then you do not know what you have received. You should never, ever, ever be afraid of a demon. Never. Doesn't matter how he shows up. Doesn't matter if he shows up in a, in a six-foot-six man. It doesn't matter if he shows up in a crazy person, and usually he would. It doesn't matter. You've been given authority over crazies. Right? And that demon is subject to you. It is subject to you in the name of Jesus Christ. So don't allow yourself to be intimidated by the lies about the power of demons. 
You know, I could tell you many stories about encountering demons. Um, one day, I've always had an office at home, and uh, Jackie has always worked at the church. Um, I had an office at the church to meet with people and the staff and so on and so forth. And one day in South Africa, I got a frantic call, a 911 call from her, to say, you need to get here quickly. There's a crazy man threatening us here at the office, tearing up the place. So I lived about 20 minutes away, jumped in the car, raced there as fast as I could, prayed in the Spirit all the time when I got there. As I was walking in the door, this man came walking out. He greeted me, uh, kind of weird, greeted me, walked right past me, and went to his car that was parked there. And I thought, okay, good, he's going. But he opened up the car, uh, car door and then started destroying his car. I mean, he started to kick his car, beat his car. He kicked the headlights in. He ripped the upholstery off of the door. He got inside his car and punched the sunroof right out of his car. He walked around his car. I mean, it looked like it had been to the demolishing yard. And it took about five, five minutes to do this. So I didn't say anything to him because I was so astounded. You know, I thought he wanted to do that to me. But he did it to his own possession. This man is crazy. He's destroying. I mean, we're talking about, you know, today's world is thousands of dollars. It would have been a write-off. I'm surprised the airbag didn't go off. It was that much damage. And then he turned towards me. And I just said to him, in the name of Jesus, demon spirit, come out of this man. And right then, the cops arrived. So Jackie and them had called for the cops. They arrived. And back in South Africa, they have like uh, pickup trucks, but they have the back portion is made of metal and, and wire mesh and no, no windows and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's like a cage, all right? But you can see through it, huh? Paddy wagon. It's a paddy wagon, but they, I mean, there's wire mesh and all kind of stuff, you know? And so um, the two cops that arrived tried to put him into the paddy wagon. And he beat the snot out of them. It was terrible. I mean, there was blood and snot and tears and everything was flying all over the place. And eventually they got this guy inside the, inside the, the paddy wagon and they locked it. He began to kick this thing. I mean, he was denting this thing from inside, the way he was kicking it and the way he was pulling and fighting and everything. And I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of him. And he suddenly stopped. And I was standing this close to his face through the, through the wire mesh. And he turned to me and he said, Pastor Henry, what do you want? Do you want a woman? Do you want some drugs? I can get you anything you want, Pastor Henry. Just get me out of here. I said, I don't need anything from the devil. And I bind you in Jesus' name and you will release him. And then the cops took him away. And I went upstairs and Jackie and them had been using the name of Jesus to protect themselves because he had taken off the fire extinguisher. He was running around up there cursing and swearing. He was trying to destroy the place. So he, they took him off to the police station. When they let him out of the back, he destroyed the police station. I mean, he jumped on desks. He threw chairs around. He broke somebody's leg, somebody's arm. I mean, it was a violent situation. They locked, eventually got him into a cage, locked him up. Next morning, he woke up completely sane. Completely sane. 
Demons had left. See, when you speak, you have to leave your words out there. You have to believe that what you said has worked. And it doesn't matter that this person goes on and does all these things. You say, but wouldn't, shouldn't those policemen be afraid? Well, if they didn't know Jesus, yeah. They went for the Holy Ghost, yeah. If they didn't know the name of Jesus and the authority, be afraid. Be very afraid. Okay? But no, not if you know Jesus. You don't have to be. Okay? Don't have to be. So I'm just going to let you know that demons are subject to you in the name of Jesus. Now, <clears throat> do you remember the centurion that came to Jesus and said, would you come and uh, heal my servant? Remember that? And, uh, and, and Jesus said, yeah, I'll come. And then the centurion said, no, well, you actually don't have to come. Just speak the word only. Okay? I, I want to show you something here. It's the most important key to having great faith. So listen up very carefully. In Matthew 8, 7, Jesus said to him, Okay, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority. Again, there's the same word, Greek word, exousia. With soldiers under me, I tell this one to go and he goes. And to this one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Which means that this man had greater faith than Mary, his mother, or Joseph, his father, or any of the 12 disciples that were close to him, apostles, or any of the 70 that were following him. He said, this man has the greatest faith that I've come across in all of Israel. Now, do you want to know how this man had such great faith? Would you like to have some of his faith? All right? Well, Jesus told us why he had such faith. Jesus aligned the understanding of authority with faith. This man had said, I am a man under authority. And this man recognized Jesus' authority. So he was saying to Jesus, just use your authority. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. You have authority to do that. I have authority to tell my servant, go here, come there. And they do. I I understand what authority does. So use your authority and heal my servant. And Jesus said, Understanding authority was the greatest faith there was. Understanding authority. So if we want to operate in a greater level of faith, all we need to do is to understand the authority Jesus had delegated to you. The reason you may have reached that point of grief in your life is because you have failed to understand the authority Jesus delegated to you. Either you fail to understand the authority Jesus has or what he gave you, or you, fail, you have at this point not learned how to use the authority. And that is what I will be talking about next time. How to use the authority, how to release the authority. Today we're talking about how to believe that we have this authority. The apostles began to operate in this authority to such an extent that the ruling religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, 
became threatened by their authority. And they wanted to, the Sanhedrin wanted to stop the apostles from using this authority and preaching in the name of Jesus. So they called them in because they'd just done a great miracle of healing. And then they said to them in Acts 4.17, But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Do not speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Then they called them in again and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Obviously, it's speaking about the name of Jesus and teaching in the name of Jesus that brings about the knowledge of authority. And the Sanhedrin didn't want the knowledge of this authority to spread. They tried to quench it. They tried to stop it. Don't talk about Jesus because they knew that it was in Jesus that the authority existed. Are you listening, church? So this is why this morning while I'm talking to you in the name of Jesus about Jesus that your understanding of authority is busy rising and the level of faith that you'll be operating is busy rising. Right now we are raising demon killers. So he said to them, Peter answered and John answered and they said, you judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than man. Uh, rather than God. Is it, is, it, is it right to obey you or God? Which is the right thing to do? God. Obey God. Okay. So how many of you are aware right now that the spirit of Antichrist is doing the same thing to the church? It's threatening the church right now from speaking in the name of Jesus. It's trying to intimidate us into silence. Hmm? Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stop us from speaking, whether it's on the airways, whether it's on the movies, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, it, whatever they want. They try to stop you from using the name of Jesus. They try to stop it pray, from praying in, in schools, remember? And, and from praying in any, any government-related facility. You can't pray in the name of Jesus. You can pray in some other name, but not the name of Jesus. Can't use the name of Jesus. Do you know that... Uh, uh, we, have, we have a friend, he was uh, a military, uh, he was working in the military uh, as a chaplain. Yeah, yeah. And they could pray with the people that needed prayer, but they couldn't use the name of Jesus in our military. In our military. Okay, can't use the name of Jesus. So the, the Spirit of Antichrist is trying to stop it. So what am I saying to you? I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning to respond from a spirit of strength, not being intimidated by the power of demons, based on the knowledge that you have of the authority that's been delegated to you, just like the apostles did, just like Jesus did. So I want you to say this with me. My boldness, My boldness. is directly proportionate to the knowledge of my authority. Of course, it's in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Now, Jesus was exalted. Not only did he get the name, but he was also exalted. I love this. The power and authority of Jesus' name found in Philippians 2 and verse 9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Now, if his name is above every name, can you name any name that is superior to the name of Jesus? Anything? 
is, uh, does, does all sickness have names? Yeah. Or every sickness has a name. Yes. So that means the name of Jesus is superior yes. to every and any sickness, yes. right? It is not greater than him. Uh, does, does every condition in life have a name? Yes. Uh, poverty is a name, right? Poverty is a name. What about broke? Be broke. Is that a name? That's a condition. Okay. Is addiction, is addiction a name? So if somebody is addicted to something, it doesn't matter what that addiction is, it's a name. I'm addicted to this. It's a name. And the name of Jesus is greater than that addiction. Hello. It's greater than that addiction. What about loneliness? Loneliness is a name. Didn't Jesus say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Well, how can you be lonely with Jesus? Just give me a few minutes with Jesus alone by myself. Just don't come in the door. Let me talk with him. How can you be lonely if you know Jesus is with you? All right. Is grief a name? Grief is a name. Grief is a condition. And so the name of Jesus is greater than your grief. If you would only understand the power and authority you have in the name of Jesus, you could command that grief to leave. The problem is that some people are so low down in their level of grief, they're so suppressed by the level of grief, they're not at the bottom of the barrel scraping the barrel, they're under the barrel. You know, this is the people you say, well, how are you doing? And they say, well, under the circumstances, not so bad. You say, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? It's because the grief has got you to such a place where you can't speak out. Well, listen to this sermon over and over and over until you can. Listen to it until you can. All right? Depression is just a name. It's just a name. You can speak out. So let me finish reading this verse. Verse 10. At the name of Jesus, some knees will bow. <clears throat> what? Are you sure it says every? Turn and tell your neighbor, your knee's going to bow, buddy. Answer them back. It, it does already. It does already. Amen. It's at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the authority Jesus has. That's the position Jesus has. And there's more. All authority Jesus said has been given to him, but watch what happens, how Jesus has been exalted in Ephesians 1 and 20. It says, when he exerted, this is what God did when he exerted Christ, uh, 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 in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. Listen to verse 21. Far above all rule. Say far above. above. Say it again. It's not just merely breaking the tape. It's not just merely a nose ahead. Far above means far above. Far above. Far above how much? Far, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given. Man cannot even come up with a title that Jesus is not above. People, if you can only see your Savior and who He is and the authority He has and the dominion He has and the power He has and how God has exalted Him, you'll never have another day of fearing Satan or circumstances again. Never. 
The problem is that we're not seeing Jesus for who He is and what He's accomplished. We're still thinking that He has to do more. Have to do more. He doesn't have to do more. Colossians tells us that He has disarmed powers and authorities, made a public spectacle over them. You see, and here's the unfortunate part. Many people who call themselves Christians are actually just religious. And religion has no power. Religion has no power. And that is why so many people, Christians so-called, are having such a tough time in this world. And why they are giving Christianity a bad name. And why, why people would say things, well, you know, it's, it's God's will for you to be poor. It's God's will for you to suffer because you can, you can grow in, in that, you know. It's God's will for you to be sick. It's God's will that your loved one died early. All of these things are a cop-out, a voice of religion with no power in it because they don't understand what God has done through Jesus Christ. And so they make up stories to pacify those who are suffering. Well, we don't want to give them any false hope. You aren't giving them any hope, Baba. You're afraid to give them hope because you don't understand who your God is and who Jesus is and what He's done. How can you be without hope when Jesus has been exalted to this level and He's delegated that position of authority to you? How in the world can you be without hope? You see... You are of no threat to the devil or to demons, none whatsoever, until you understand the power and authority in Jesus that's been delegated to you. You're no threat. He is, the devil is not afraid of those who don't know who they are in Christ. He's not afraid of them. Not at all. He will arrest them and kick them around, whatsoever. Satan doesn't respect those he has no fear of and does not respect those who are purely just religious or ignorant of what God has done. Do you remember the sons of Sceva try to cast the demon out of, the demon out of that guy? And uh, there's like six or seven of the sons of Sceva. And this guy says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? At that point... Wrap up your robe and run. Okay? Run. Because you're going to have a bloody nose. You're going to now get beaten up. You're now going to learn the power of the demon spirit who has no respect for those who do not know Jesus and do not know their authority in Christ. You understand that? Don't know. Don't understand it. Well, they got, they, you know, they got treated real badly. They ran out there naked. Stripped and ran out. All of them. Beaten up. One guy ran out and well, that's why I'm afraid of demons. You ought not to be. If you knew the power of Jesus' name, you know. See, the demons knew who Paul was. I'll ask you this question. Do the demons know who you are? Do they know you by name? Huh? Don't, don't, when the demons come to I'm attorney, you should back off. No? They're probably partnering with you. 
probably feel very comfortable unless you're a believing attorney. Amen? So listen, your rank in this world doesn't mean a thing to them. doesn't matter. No, they don't respect your rank. They respect the authority that you know that you have in Jesus' name. Okay? So you better make sure the demon knows your name. Well, just letting you know. See, we cannot, we cannot live in victory until we realize that we can stop demon activity and have the power to conquer it in the name of Jesus. You can't live in victory. The demon will keep on coming back and keep on coming back and keep on harassing you until you stop them in your trap. So what level of authority do you have? Somebody tell me. You sure? Yeah. All right, how many would be honest with me and say, well, Pastor Henry, it's true. Uh, scripture says I have it all, but I haven't been operating in it. Yeah? Only three? Okay. We're definitely having an altar call <laughs> for liars. Okay. <laughs> Romans 8.37. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all these things we are more than conquerors. Jesus defeated the devil. He disarmed the demons and we share in his victory. He's done it. So we don't have to fight demons at all. Jesus did it for us. But we do have to resist them in Jesus' name. We can, if we understand the power of the name of Jesus and the authority He gave it, we can tell the demons where to get off the boat. We can tell them when to get out of our car. We can tell them when to get out of our house. Get out of our job. Get out of our business. We can tell them when to get out of our bodies. Hello. You know, <clears throat> Jackie is an, an amazing woman of faith, uh, and I learn from her constantly. And she does things uh, by faith that sometimes just astounds me. Um, you know, she's always said she's in charge of the weather. <laughs> so we moved to Florida. And from the, the year, it was 2004 to 2007, we lived at Clearwater Beach. Tampa's beautiful, beautiful place to live. And uh, we were there because I wanted Jackie to have an island feeling so she could recover from the stroke and we believed it would, would help her. Well, in 2006, there were, let me see, 27 name storms. 27 name storms. 11 of them were hurricanes. Six of them were between category three and five. All hit Florida. All of them. It's like the devil knows where I am. That's the kind of feeling that, that we got. It was the worst since 1933. Not one of them hit Clearwater Beach. Not one of them came into Tampa. Because we're watching the news, and we see there's a hurricane. Jackie begins to speak to the hurricanes. And she says, you'll, you'll go out to sea in Jesus' name. Calls it by name, whatever. You know, Harry or Mary or whatever. You go out to sea. You go out to sea. You're not going to come here. If you're Mary and you're in the church, I'm Mary, you're fine. You're not going out to sea, okay? Okay. But she would speak to them in the name of Jesus. You're not coming here. There was a hurricane heading directly for us, coming right up the, up the, the Mexican Gulf, coming right in. It was predicted. This is where it's going to hit. She says to it, you leave, you go back in Jesus' name. Well, people had fled from Tampa, and they went all the way down to, where, where's the boats used to go out? Yeah, uh, 
Fort Lauderdale. They went all the way down to Fort Lauderdale. God's my witness. The hurricane turned and hit Fort Lauderdale. Not one name storm or hurricane hit us while we were there for those four years. Okay? So you might think, well, that's, you know, just coincidence. Try 26 or 27 times and see how you feel about coincidence. This is what you, we, we used to go to Starbucks as my home, my office away from home. And so we would go sit out there and, the, you know, outside. We would talk and have fellowship. Love to sit and talk, especially with Jackie, and have some coffee and everything. And then those days, uh, you know, well, actually, we were back here already in Oceanside. There was no limit to smoking. There was like 30 feet or 30. There was no, you could smoke anywhere on the outside. So if somebody was sitting upwind smoking, and came down on us, Jackie commanded the wind to change direction. And you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. We sit out on our little porch outside and look at our, our garden and everything, and if it gets too hot, she commands the wind to start blowing to cool us. So next time there's a drought, you know who to blame. <laughs> love you, girl. Love you. We love you. Thanks for watching this morning. Just talking about you out there again, okay? If demons have no authority, listen carefully to me, they get the authority that we give them. That is where it comes, okay? Demons get any authority they have from us. We give it to them. So, here's the thing. Understand this. We are the only beings in the universe, other than God, who have the ability to discard, to surrender, or to hand over authority. Satan has none. Jesus has it all, and he delegated to us. So it's just God and us that have got it. you understand that? Just God and us. So if the devil does get any, if demons do get any, they got it from us. We surrender it to them. So I'm going to challenge you, stop, stop today empowering the devil in your life. If he has no power, stop empowering him. Here's the thing I said when we started. Stop creating space in your life for demons to harass you. Stop creating it. You see, it's never a case of a lack of power and authority. It is never a case of you being not strong enough. It is never a case of the enemy being, enemy being bigger than you. It is never the case of the enemy being more resourced than you. It is always a lack of knowledge of power and authority delegated to you by Christ and how to exercise it. It is never, ever, ever about the devil being stronger or demons being stronger or having more authority. It is always about us not knowing who we are in Christ and what God has given to us. Always. And that's why he's able to kick you from pillar to post. So that's the truth of the gospel. There it is right now. And you know what the devil's trying to do? He's trying to talk you into surrendering to him. Surrender to him. And he's deceiving you. By, uh, once you do that, once you've surrendered to the devil... Then he deceives you into begging God to help you. Once you've given him the power and authority to cause the trouble in your life, now you go to God and you beg God to help you with the trouble. You silly sausage. You caused it. You caused it. You handed it to the devil. He's eating your lunch. 
And when he's finished, he's going to pop the bag. The moment you become a child of God, the moment you become a child of God, you are immediately given the power and authority to exercise and the dominion to walk in victory. Immediately. And you know, every single demon knows that you have been given dominion and authority to rule in this life as a king on this earth. He knows that. The problem is, it's just you that don't realize it. And he's playing on your ignorance. Playing on your ignorance. I want everybody to stand to their feet. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to close your eyes and raise one hand. Raise one hand. Two if you like. I want you to say this out loud from the depths of, depths of your being. And say this. I stand today, I stand today in, the limitless power in the limitless power of the resurrection. There is no limiting factor factor. unless I believe there is. I I want you to say this out loud and be strong about it. Demons, I command you you to stop your maneuvers maneuvers against me me. and withdraw in Jesus' name. name. I render you void of power power and authority. authority. You must surrender to me. In the name of Jesus. Because God has made me more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory. More than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Turn and shake somebody's hand next to you and say to them, I want you to know something. I'm suffering from hyperconchoritis. <laughs> Tell them, I'm suffering from hyperconchoritis. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. Hallelujah. Devil has given me victory. I, I, this is one thing I'm not surrendering. Hyperconchoritis, I'm not surrendering. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, we want to pray for you today in the power and the name and authority of Jesus. We're going to have our ministering team come out here and and minister to you. If you need prayer for anything, come on down. It's a good day to exercise the power and authority in Jesus' name. Amen. You believe it's a good day? It's always a good day. Amen. Always a good day. So if you need prayer for anything, come on down. Let's walk in this victory. Let's walk in this victory. Come on. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, Holy Spirit, healing, doesn't matter, whatever you need. If there's a name of something that's bothering you, come on down. We know that that name is going to bow its knee today in Jesus' name. Amen? That name is going to bow its knee. Come on, whatever it is. If there's a grief issue that you've reached in your life, a grief issue that you can't get, you say, listen, Pastor Henry, I'm fighting against the wall here. You come on down. We take authority over that thing causing the grief. Can you believe that? It'll happen right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the deliverance. We thank you for the power. We thank you for the authority. We thank you for the name of Jesus. We thank you for the word of God that causes us to walk in victory every day of our life. Holy Spirit, thank you for lifting us up and for raising us and giving us hope 
and victory and dominion and authority in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, let your people's eyes be open. Let their hearts be ready to receive. Let them walk in the victory and the dominion that they've been given through Jesus Christ, who's been seated at the right hand of the Father, who's been given a name that's above every name, that every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess He is Lord of all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Amen. All right. Well, go out and give the devil a rough time, would you? Give the devil a rough time this week. In Jesus' name. And we will see you on Sunday. Thank you. God bless you.